Are you ready? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. <laughs> uh, I was just fooling around with this this thing my, my kids got me for my for Christmas, you know. My daughter's got me this, uh, I guess, a monitor. I don't know what you call this thing. It's, it's a board, right? It's a board. It's got stuff on it, and it does things, and it helps me, you know, make a podcast. I hook it up to my computer, and it does stuff that I, I press buttons, and it does stuff. I've never pressed any of the buttons, right, on here because I'm afraid what's going to happen. So I tried it today. <laughs> it sounded, you know, ridiculous. And I figure on a podcast that's called Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About, ridiculous shouldn't be a problem. So. I worked on ridiculous today, and you got some ridiculous. These kids think they know. These kids think they know everything, right? I mean, listen, I'm 57 years old. 57 year olds. I got a surprise for you, okay? When these, when, when this technology came out, I was 27 years, like 1990, 1990, really. That's when it all email. That's when it all really started to kick in and start to get strong and start to, you know, make its move and become a a thing that you talk about every day. And I know because I bought my first computer. It was a Zeos computer. That it was. That's. It was great. I loved it. I had a, an AOL and a Yahoo address, and I, I don't have an AOL address anymore. I still have my Yahoo address though, and that's since 1990. That's a long time, you know, <laughs> a very long time. But but we're the generation that, at that age, you know. You're in the middle of your career, so you don't want to learn something new, and you're trying to trying to get into a career. You don't want to learn something. You have to do this computer thing now. And so we got used to doing the computer thing. And then we had kids, and the computer thing got bigger and bigger and bigger, and we, got, we had to learn more stuff. And then the kids started learning that stuff in school, and then they became bigger with it than us. And now when we ask them for help, they, they, they look at us with disdain, and they go, ah, oh, Jesus, Dad, you don't know. You don't know you don't know how to do this. I'm like, I guess. Listen, all I'm trying to do is figure out what an RSS feed is. That's all. You can't help me with that. You went to college for this shit. You can't help me. I'm your father. I'm over here sitting over here with a bad back trying to do a podcast, and you can't help your father. That's that's what you do. And then they, then my daughter looks at me. She goes, oh, oh, oh. All right, Dad. When you're ready, get your computer out. Just call me, and I'll do it after work with you. Okay. So I have to guilt my youngest daughter into helping me. This isn't. This isn't fun to try to do that. I mean, it's a completely Catholic and Jewish thing anyway to to want to guilt your kids into doing stuff for you. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a generational Catholic and Jewish thing. I think that's what happens, you know, when you got God on your side. You guilt your kids a little bit to get stuff done. But I could talk about that all day, and I don't I don't really want to. We're not going to do that. Today's podcast is um, about the American Indian issue. Notice, notice I used, you know, words are important. I'm using certain words here. These, these are important words, right? The American Indian issue. Now, you can stand on top of your head, on top of Mount Everest, with a bullhorn, screaming, It's indigenous people! It's indigenous people! And... I, I don't care, right? I don't, I don't care about that. It's not indigenous people. I'll tell you who's an indigenous people. 
You ready? You're going to get mad. I'm an indigenous people. Me, Louis G. I'm an indigenous people. You know why? Because I was born here. My parents were born here. My grandparents were born here. My great-grandparents were born here. And my great-great-grandparents on my father's side came here. So I got great-great-grandparents that are born here and the great-great-great ones that came here. And on my mother's side, we're going to go back five greats. So, yeah, I'm an indigenous people. But you, you're not counting me in that group, are you? That's, that's not part of the I'm not part of that group. I can't be part of that group. They won't let me in. I have no idea why. I try to get in, but they, I said, hey, look, I'm an indigenous people too. Here's why. And they went, yeah, that's, that's not funny. And I said, I think that's a little funny because you got some nerve. You're not an indigenous people anymore. You've been conquered. That's what happened. You've been conquered. Nobody wants to say that. Well, we're going to say it on things you're not supposed to talk about. That's what this podcast is. So we're going to talk about that. You know, when we got here, when people got here, not, not us, not, not white people. When I say us, I don't mean white people, right? I mean Americans. But the first Americans were white people that came here, maybe. Right? Maybe. Right? You know, that could have been the Portuguese that came here first. Because I'm going to tell you, it wasn't Columbus that discovered America. Get over yourself. You know, they're telling you that story in school because it's nice and neat and clean. But it's not true. Okay? It's, it's not true. Who discovered America? Like, the Vikings might have discovered America. You know, it could have been the Rosicrucians, for Christ's sakes. It could have been the Templars. Which would mean it would be the French. Okay? So those are the, you know, it could have been a bunch of people walking across some land bridge after the Ice Age looking for warmer climates. Right? Could have been them. Could have been the Mi'kmaq tribe over there in Nova Scotia. Could have been them. But you don't want to talk about that. You want to just make a generalization about indigenous people. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, in the 1970s when I was a kid, this has always bothered me since I was a schoolboy, but in, in New York City in the 70s, there was a very effective commercial with an American Indian in full headdress and garb and all that stuff. And he's looking at all the pollution in New York City. And then he turns to the camera. He has this tear coming out of his eye. And when you see that, I'm telling you, you look at your, you, you, you're in the mirror, brushing your teeth as a kid going, ooh, well, did we really fuck this up or what? I mean... Even as a, like a seven-year-old or ten-year-old, you know, you're, you're brushing your teeth and you're going, man, that American Indian really kills me. You know, and, 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 and your parents are going, oh, man, did we fuck this up or what? And, you know, if you was a 40-year-old guy or 30-year-old guy, you'd be looking in the mirror going, man, I, I'm not ever throwing garbage on the ground again. And that's exactly what happened. New York City cleaned itself up because, that, because of that Indian commercial. Like, trash no longer got burned in an incinerator apartment buildings that they, they had to get rid of trash differently now. Instead, you know, when you threw the garbage down the chute, no flames came up. The superintendent had to shovel it out, put it in bags, and put those bags and cans in front of the building for, like, uh, the twice-a-week pickup or something. So no more burning garbage. Instead, New Yorkers invented Staten Island, and then they, they dumped all that shit over there. You know, that's, that's, you know let's, talk, let's do something no one wants to tell, and that, that's talk facts. Not interpretation of facts. So we're going to go to the USEmbassy.gov 
And we're going to pick up an article about uh, uh, American Indians. Uh, do they govern their own lands? And this guy talks about before Christopher Columbus in 1492, and he gives you the whole story there, where, and how how uh, the American Indians were gifted the land by mother by the Creator, and they were the ones who were going to care for Mother Earth. All right, that's a good. That's a nice story. Like, I, like that's a good one, right? Then then Europeans, he says, you know, they had a different kind of view, and they sent expeditions to claim new lands. So they they came over here with their with their uh, different kinds of uh, weapons and disease and outfits and you know ships and they pretty much destroyed uh, the american indians uh, and and their communities you know and then eventually wars and sickness and starvation uh, reduced the american indian population to less than 250,000 from i don't know like 100 million yeah that's that's a real number by the way that's what happened i mean if you want to be mad you know let's be mad about that kind of ignorance okay if you want to be mad let's let's be mad about the ignorance of people who didn't know anything about themselves carrying weird diseases and killing millions of people with those diseases having no idea that they did that let's let's talk about that you know, we can talk about that if you want. I don't want to talk about that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. That that gets into levels of the conversation that 30 minutes doesn't cover. And really, we're, we're trying to have, you know, a decent conversation here and trying to get as many facts in as we can so that we can support what we're saying and what we're trying to say about the American Indian issue. Okay? And here's an issue. Uh, 250,000 uh, had no hope of victory, right? That their tribal leaders accepted conditions from the United States, and most tribes were placed on barren outposts of land uh, that guaranteed that staying on these reservations would bring peace, you know. And sometimes the land got taken away from them and made smaller and smaller until they were moved out west uh, through the um, Indian, Indian Act, the Indian Removal Act, okay, in the 1830s with uh, President uh, Andrew Jackson. So, two million. Indians today, two to three million Indians today, hold sovereignty over 2% of the land that this country has. And um, that's a 56 million acres, right? right? 56 million acres. That's what that is. That's a lot of land for 2 million people. Now, you might be saying, hey, look, man, they threw them out in a desert. You know what I No, they didn't. No, they didn't. There's, there's plenty of land for them out there that, that, they, that they can grow shit on and do things that they're supposed to do and farm and, and, and fish and all that other stuff. It belongs to them. That's a sovereign nation within a free nation. That's not how that's supposed to go. You don't do that. Our government is wrong. And here's another thing that's wrong. And people don't think of it this way. You think they're a free nation inside of? You think they're a sovereign nation inside of a free nation, and that they have two of uh, fifty-six million acres? Well, guess what I say that is. I say that's a concentration camp. That's what I say that is. I say that's a fifty-six million acre concentration camp. They're fenced in, right? That's called control. That is what that is called. You know, when the United States won its independence, we we did so for thirteen states, and and our expansion was paid for when Jefferson contracted the Louisiana Purchase 
you know, from the country that had claimed sovereignty over that portion of the United States, which was France. Okay? So France had sovereignty over the indigenous peoples of America at the time. Then, after we purchased that land, we sent two guys out there to see how far the country went. And guess what they did? They found out. You know, if you've never read the diaries of Lewis and Clark, like you need to in order to understand our expansion and the removal of the American Indian. And, and they are the American Indian because we, Americans, you know, because we said so. Because this is America, and they are no longer on their land that was taken from them through war and disease and brutality. I'm sorry. You can't change that. You can't take it back. Nobody should be sorry. You could say you're sorry, but you're really not sorry. Are you really sorry? Your sorry is actually an affront to a people who can't do anything about it anyway. So your sorry becomes a placating lie. That's what that is. I mean, who's giving up New York City to the American Indian tribe that once ruled this part of North America? I mean, just give it back. Go ahead, I dare you. Stop your faking and annoying concern for a defeated and unassimilated people who have their own lands with, and I, I'm telling you, with rich oil, gas, and mineral deposits on them, who own nearly every casino in his country, who have a sovereignty over themselves you and I do not even have. They have citizenship, so do I, so do you. Why aren't they trying to be citizens? I know why, and so do you. Because the federal government treats them as if they were their children and they pay for their existence. So, nobody needs to assimilate. And you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like somebody doesn't want them to. I always think of crazy scenarios. Like if the American people rose up, you know, armed against the U.S. government. You know what would happen? No bullets would be fired. You know, and the American citizenry would win. You know why? Because our army is a volunteer army made up of, guess what, other citizens. <laughs> I mean, the American army can never be used to quell an uprising because it is compromised of other citizens. But, and here's why there's a sovereign nation within a free nation also, okay, of a people of a like kind. Here's really why. If a separate sovereign nation of two to three million people started storming across the landscape, armed, demanding their land back, the U.S. Army would wipe them out immediately. Hence the Civil War. That's why Lincoln formed an army. Because the South formed a government that they should have never had. With a president they should have never elected. That's why Americans fired upon non-Americans at the time, okay? Because even though the American Indian has citizenship, they are deemed a separate na nation amongst the free nation. And guess what? That's called control. Uh, earlier in our conversation, we touched on um, President Andrew Jackson, who happens to be a personal hero of mine. Um, Andrew Jackson, Lincoln, um, Martin Luther King, Jesus, you know, um, these are uh, heroes of, personal heroes of mine. 
that uh, I try to read about as much as about them as I can because I'm not a college-educated man. I'm self-educated. I'm very proud of that. I do a lot of reading. So in 1830, President Andrew Jackson signed into law an, an act to provide, you know, a quote, and I quote, an act to provide for an exchange of lands with the Indians residing in any of the states or territories and for their removal west of the river Mississippi. This is called, right, the Indian Removal Act. And it's authorized under the federal government to deport 100,000 people from their homelands, uh, you know, which was took like almost 10 years to do and cost, you know, a lot of dead people. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, um, it, it, it was uh, not, not that it wasn't necessary, I'm not going to say that because otherwise we don't own Mississippi. Otherwise we're doing th- we we can't we can't expand ourselves, and the United States needs to expand. There's a reason for that, right? Um, but it was uh, it was terrible. Let's put it that way. It was it was it was tragic that thousands of Native Americans lost their lives. This this massive you know kind of state forced migration, um, which passed only by five out of 199 votes in the House of Representatives, marked a real turning point. In a lot of things, you know, because then we started expanding and then they, we, we started moving Indians past certain points again and again and again. And, and that act just kind of, um, it kind of Mandelbrot it <laughs> its way, you know, across the map. In an article from Aeon Magazine, um, they touch on all of this, you know, and they use all of this information. And then the writer of the article says, you can look it up, I mean, he says that white Americans abdicated their moral responsibility towards the continent's indigenous people. The deportation, according to many whites and even some native activists, was in the best interest of those who were rounded up and driven out. If that was the case, it was because white Americans made it so by defrauding or killing those who wanted to stay. Moral responsibility? To who? A conquered people? One who made war to keep the lands we paid for from France and risked the lives of thousands of Americans in a war for independence? We won this land. We own this land. And if it wasn't for that, no American would exist and the world would be a shit show, you know of war and, de- and deprivation. Listen, man. You, you can't be Monday, mo- Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking history. It's inappropriate to make assumptions like that. You know, I- I'm going to say that if, you are, if you're writing an article about history, your writing needs to exclude lies, those inappropriate assumptions, and that Monday morning quarterbacking stuff. You're blaming white people? Well, were black people making decisions in our government at this time? You know, you have to ask that question. If you don't have to ask that, I'm asking it. Were black people making decisions in our government at this time? The answer is absolutely not. So it was only white people. So you're pointing out something that, A, can't be defended, and B, can never be changed, and C, was appropriate for the time, which you were not part of. And that's a fact. There were no other white people there. So stop using the words white people and start using the words American government. See, that would be different. And then other people could say, yeah, but there was only white people. Yes, there were. 
because no blacks are making those decisions. They weren't allowed. Okay? That's a fact. Pointing out the obvious, it's malicious in this case because, like I said, there was no one else to do that. So this is about this guy's ego. And then he says, the last part of the article is, a history that glosses over the conquest of the continent is partial in both senses of the word. It misleads people about the past and misinforms their debates about the present. In charting a course for the future, Americans would do well to put the disposition of Native Native peoples back on the map. Put them back on the map. They have sovereignty over 56 million acres, and they're a populace of 2 to 3 million people max. They should have their land removed. And they need to assimilate themselves into the American culture and system of law. Because, you know, that's what happens to a conquered people. Why do Americans take the, the indigenous people's lands, the American Indians' lands? Why? 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 Manifest destiny, that's why. It stretches from sea to shining sea and beyond. Because the founding fathers, not mothers, of this country were men, not women, of vision. They saw that spreading democracy around the world would make the U.S. the leader of the free democratic world and a new world order would be complete. You don't like that? Well, that's okay. Because our government doesn't care about all that anymore. They only care about control. Oh, by the way, a great way of controlling two to three million people is actually to fence them in around 56 million acres, like I said before. So, so they're actually prisoners and they're not sovereign. You know, it's, it's like kind of like when prisoners of war create their own system of government in a, in a war camp. But hey, man, you know, what do I know? You know, lest we forget also that lands designated as Indian reservations have special protections, by the way, designated by federal law. And amongst these protections is a statute that prohibits any non-native from settling on lands granted to an Indian tribe. What's that all about? Now there's places in America that Americans can't go? Really? Do we stop the American Indian from going anywhere? No, no, we don't. How's that working out for you? I mean... And there's always the issue of alcohol abuse among Native Americans. And you're going to call me a racist because I said that. The hell with you. I do my research. And the recent findings in 2018 says nearly 25% of Native Americans report binge drinking. 7% of them have an alcohol use disorder. 4% of Native Americans have an illicit drug use disorder. And 10% of Native Americans have a substance abuse disorder. Yo, that's a lot of people, okay? Native Americans are more likely to report drug abuse over a year at 28.5% higher than any other ethnic group. That's ridiculous. You know, maybe I didn't look hard enough. That's not true, by the way. Uh, But somebody stopped doing this survey after 2018 because probably that's because when the guilt love started for indigenous people. I call it guilt love, right? Because I'm sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry we took your land. uh, So we're going to rename you indigenous people to make you happy. Right? That's just a ridiculous thing. I was born and raised in New York City, and I know no other land. So guess what? That makes me indigenous, right? Like I said earlier. Anyway, you you know why there's so much of this nonsense in the American Indian nation? Because the sovereign governing body doesn't give a shit. 
only white Americans who went to college to study Native American culture and indigenous sociology give a shit. And that's not enough people. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. Things you're not supposed to talk about, right? And who's running this shit show anyway? I took a look at that too. There's this National Congress for American Indians. Notice they call themselves that, not indigenous. Just saying. They don't say they're the National Congress for Indigenous People. They call themselves the National Congress for American Indians. You know, this group has been around since 1944. There's also the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Notice this does not say Indigenous either. This is a U.S. government agency, and uh, I've got their mission statement right here. The Bureau of Indian Affairs mission is to enhance the quality of life, to promote economic opportunity, and to carry out the responsibility to protect and improve the true ass, the trust assets of American Indians, Indian tribes, and Alaskan Natives. Uh, we, we, also, we also have the Department of Internal Affairs, and that has its own tribal section, and it, they work with tribes in much the same manner that the other agencies do. Hold on, we're not finished with all the people who feel they need to help the American Indian. Administration for Native Americans is another governmental agency that offers financial and other assistance. Okay, then there's the Indian Health Services, all right, yet another governmental agency, and a, and a governmental agency for tribal and Native American issues. What's that mean? The point is, is that two to three million people do not warrant all this governmental overreach. They need to vote on a government if they're going to be sovereign and set up a real nation with laws and interior agencies to deal with their own issues. And how about starting with education and demanding the kids go to school? Nah, they don't want to. They would rather get rich on gambling, liquor, and tax-free benefits on cigarettes and repeat the indiscretions of a free and flawed nation that gave them the right to be sovereign within a free nation. You know, you saw a lot of uh, folks um, marching for indigenous peoples while Donald Trump was president. And um, because they, they like saying and doing racist things, to make other people seem racist, I guess. I don't, I don't know how that works, but it seems to work out fine for everybody else. Um, so I just, I just go, yeah, look, that's a good, that's a good strategy, right? But, you know, um, we saw a lot of folks, and, and most of those folks, right, they, they, weren't, they weren't American Indians. They weren't. They were, they were white liberals. I didn't see too many black Americans in those crowds. I mean, if this was a, a podcast that had a show that was videoed and uh, you could see it on YouTube, right? A, I don't, I really don't want to do that. And you don't want me to do that either. And, uh, but I would have like a huge slideshow of all these pictures and you would see it would be a bunch of, a bunch of white people. Educated or maybe overeducated or you know, too educated and they can't afford their education anymore, which is why Joe Biden wants to help them and, you know, kind of write all that stuff off. But that's neither here nor there. And they were the ones who were doing all of this. Well, I have something to say to that, but it's not what I say. It's, 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 it's what, you know, men of greater minds than me have to say. And my, my favorite greater mind, you know, I like Marcus Aurelius, I, I do, but, you know, he's still a general and a conqueror. <laughs> you know, he's, he's still a Caesar, right? Um, and I like um, Epictetus is my, my favorite, I think. Seneca, I like him a lot, too. Heraclitus, I, I do enjoy. But I'm going to give you one 
one from Epictetus now because I think it's important that we talk about this because white people marching for indigenous, quote, indigenous peoples of, of the Americas is a ridiculous thing. It ended. How come they're not doing it? Well, Joe Biden is president. I haven't seen one march. I haven't heard one comment about Columbus Day or any of that shit. I haven't heard nothing. And I want to know where it went. I want to know why it went away. So I, I have this quote from Epictetus that helps me to understand some of these things. And here it is. The chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I can say clearly to myself which are externals not under my control and which have to do with the choices I actually control. Where then do I look for good and evil? Not to uncontrollable externals, but within myself to the choices that are my own. And Epictetus says this, and in his meaning, you must understand that no matter how mad you are about the indigenous peoples of America, now the Native Americans or American Native American Indian, no matter how mad you are about that, there's nothing you can do about that. You can march all you want and do whatever you want. But that is a problem so big and so lost that you can do nothing about it. So stop telling the U.S. government to give the American people, the American Indian, their land back. Stop, please. You're making an ass out of yourself when you do that. And it makes me sad. Because I have children. I'm watching these young people do this, and I'm like, why are you doing this, man? Why can't you understand that'll never happen? Why can't you understand that your your anger, your fake anger at the federal government for owning that land and giving it to you so that you can go play on it and do whatever you want on it is fake anger. And if instead, if you focused on yourself, and the things that you can control, maybe you can help the American Indian in some way, shape, or form that you feel they need help in. Maybe you can make a real change. As an individual, though, on a small scale, with what you can touch in your everyday life, and that's why I, I look to Epictetus, because he keeps me grounded. And he says to me, Lewis... <laughs> Dude, man, you can't control all these things. You have to you have to take it down a notch. So go start a podcast and talk about the things you're not supposed to talk about. And maybe someone will hear it. Maybe we can start talking about these things in an intelligent manner. I hope I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Um, this is things, you know, <laughs> that you're not supposed to talk about with Louis G, and uh, thank you very much, folks. Bye-bye.